Hey, you guys, oh my gosh, I love you. I thank God for you. I, I'm grateful that you're willing to join me in God's word. Let him speak to our lives. Let him speak to our hearts. Let him lead us into what is good. He is such a good God. Hey, if you're with us for the first time, man, we're delighted to have you. And you've caught us exploring this theme, the best good news ever. That's Jesus, who he is, what he wants to do in you and for you and, and, and through you. And let me just take a look at where we've come so far and, and see how you feel, where God is at work, where you long for God, where you want God to work in your life. Jesus is our teacher. Maybe that's what you want. You want to sit at the, the feet of Jesus and learn from him. Jesus is our healer. Maybe that's what you want. You want Jesus to heal the hurts right now in your life. Heal your relationships. Heal your emotions. Heal you physically. Um, Jesus is our unity. Maybe that's what you want. Uh, harmony. In your marriage, harmony between you and your children, or, or maybe from a negative experience, racial prejudice out of your life. Let Jesus be your unity. Jesus, as your servant, maybe you want Jesus to partner with you and and making a difference for others. Um, you know, I've, I've found that often what we want, oh, Jesus, be my healer, Jesus, be my teacher, my unity, my servant. Often it's more important what we need. What we need is more important than what we want from Jesus, and that's why. Today I want to focus on Jesus as our friend. Because when you, when you cultivate a rich relationship with Jesus... He is all the rest. Out of your growing friendship, he teaches. Within the growing friendship, he heals. He's your victory for all of your struggles. He, he is your source of unity. And he uses you to make an incredible difference in the lives of others. All encapsulated in friendship, which, in having Jesus as our friend in this, in accepting his offer. Of friendship. I think people actually laugh behind Jesus' back at the first friends he selected to join him in doing life and love with him. Uh, because Jesus didn't go to the local seminary to pick some degreed associate ministers. Jesus goes down to the beach, invites um, some men who made their living pulling up fish from the sea, fishermen, invites them to be his best new friends. He says to them, come, follow me. Now, you have to understand that in the day of Jesus, when a teacher said those words, come, follow me, it was code language. It meant, come, follow me, meant, I believe you have it in you to do what I do. I believe you have it in you to be who I am. Come, follow me, do life with me, learn from me. And their response, these four fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they immediately dropped their fishing nets, left their family, left their business, and followed Jesus. 
It seems incredible. But what you have to understand is that this relationship had been building over the course of months. For months, Jesus had been pouring into these men, these brothers, these fishermen. And so when uh, he's ready to offer, to extend the offer of friendship, they are ready uh, to say yes. Now, if, if people laughed at Jesus for picking these four nobodies with nothing, who smelled like fish, to be his friends, uh, they were disgusted by his next pick. In fact, those four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the former fishermen, they were appalled. They were, I mean, they were angry at Jesus' next pick. Here's how the Word of God tells it. Let me just share with you from Scripture. As Jesus left Capernaum, he came back, he came upon a tax-collecting station where a traitorous Jew, traitorous because he no longer served his people, traitorous uh, because now he was the enemy of his people, he served the Roman government by taxing the, the soup out of those guys. A traitorous Jew was busy at his work, collecting taxes, not for a local uh, hospital to be built, not for a new uh, gymnasium for the local school, not for new roads, no, for the Roman government. His name was Matthew. Come follow me, Jesus said to him. And immediately, Matthew jumped up and began to follow Jesus. Now, uh, again, <laughs> Jesus didn't play some sort of Jedi mind trick on Matthew to get him to pop up and begin to follow him. Jesus had been cultivating this relationship for months. I mean, when he called those four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the fishermen, that was in chapter 4 of Matthew. This is chapter 9. This is five chapters later. This is weeks, maybe months later. And over the course of those weeks and months, J Jesus would, would visit Matthew at his tax-collecting booth just to hang out, just to be with him. And it was kind of weird to Matthew because everybody hated Matthew. He didn't care. He didn't give a rip. What he cared about was money, 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 and lots of it. And Jesus, when he would come by, um, he, he would mostly listen to Matthew. Something about being in the presence of Jesus, and Matthew just opened up his heart, opened up his life. And I mean, Jesus listened like he like he really cared. And while other people <laughs> treated Matthew like a leper, Jesus um, would reach out and touch him as he talked to him. I mean, other people wouldn't give Matthew the time of day. He's a traitorous tax collector. Oh, um, <laughs> they, they'd pay their taxes and then they'd cuss him and spit at his feet when they did. But, but Jesus treated Matthew with dignity and respect. In fact, I think maybe one day Jesus shows up at the tax station and um, says to Matthew, uh, man, um, I know your pockets are full of cash, Matthew, but your heart, dude, it is empty as a stone. Once you walk away from all this, be my friend. 
come. Follow me. And, and then Matthew could not say yes fast enough. He jumped at the chance to be friends, to accept the offer of friendship from Jesus. And uh, maybe you don't know this, but Matthew was not really his name. His name was Levi. In fact, I think this is the moment when Jesus changes his name to Matthew. Matthew means gift of God. And in my imagination, I see the two of them walking away from the tax collecting booth. And Jesus slips his arm around uh, Levi's shoulder and says to him, Levi, from now on, you're going to be called Matthew. You're a gift of God. You're a gift of God to me. I'm glad you're my friend. That, that's one of the friend facts that I get out of this text. Consider this, friend fact number one, when you say yes to friendship with Jesus, he brings out the best version of you, not your mama's best version of you, not a teacher's best version of you, not your spouse's best version of you, not your, your little children's best, God's best version of you when you are friends with Jesus. Friend fact number two, you don't follow Jesus to get where you're going. You, you follow Jesus to get where he's leading. And if you follow where he's leading, he, he's going to follow you away from something. Maybe from relationships that are to toxic and, and unhealthy for you. Maybe uh, 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 away from pornography or an, an addictive substance. But know this, I mean, the fishermen, they... They follow Jesus away from a lucrative fishing business. Matthew follows Jesus away from being a traitorous tax collector. When you follow Jesus, you always follow him away from something, and you're not following him to get where you want to go. You're following him to get where he leads. Uh, I mean, what, what you find out. I mean, you have dreams for your life, and you have plans to, to bring those dreams to reality. But when you decide to follow Jesus, there is this belief at the core of your being that his plans are better and his dreams are bigger. And there is a greatest per, greater purpose for your life in following Jesus. In fact, um, that, I believe it was that very evening after Jesus invited Matthew to be his new best friend. That Matthew puts the word on the street. He's having a, a big bash and what he's going to do. He's, going to, he's inviting his new Jesus friends uh, to come and hang out in this uh, beautiful, elaborate uh, uh, social setting, his home, lots of food, a big feast, a big banquet, with all of his old party and tax collecting buddies and uh, a number uh, of their girlfriends. Here's how the scripture reads. Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many, there's a bunch of these guys, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Disreputable sinners, that's a Bible code word for prostitutes. So we got Jesus and his guys, and Matthew and his old tax collector friends, and some prostitutes. And they're having this big bash. I, I think there's a point where Matthew introduces Jesus as the guest of honor, his guest of honor, and invites 
Jesus to teach. And this seems to be a pattern for Jesus. One, to be eating with people, but eating with uh, tax collectors and sinners in particular. Look what uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 1 says. Uh, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that, that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. You see, in the day of Jesus, if you sat down at the dinner table with someone, that was a declaration that they were your, that you were committed to them as a friend. You didn't care what anybody said. You didn't care what anybody thought. This was your friend. In fact, it's not like today when if you came to my house, I'd have my plate and Debbie would have her plate and you'd have your plate. No, these guys, they all ate out of kind of like a big, you just stuck your hand in the bowl while other people were sticking their hand in the bowl. When you ate with someone, you were identifying with them. Jesus ate with these tax collectors, prostitutes, disreputable, notorious sinners because he was identifying with them. See, isn't that true of our Jesus? He came to be one of us, to identify with us, to live and be tested and tried and tempted in, in, in every way we have, but except that he was without sin, he knew no sin, he did no sin. Well, not everybody thought this was a cool deal. In fact, there were party crashers at this uh, Matthew a party with a purpose, um, the Pharisees. They were like religious Nazis, religious holier-than-thous. Um, they, they saw what was going on, and they didn't confront Jesus, but they confronted his friends and, and asked them, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why is he identifying with scum? Why is he declaring himself as the friend of scum. And um, one of the things I love about this story is, is that when we accept Jesus' offer of friendship, he's got our back. He, he doesn't let his, he doesn't throw these guys under the bus. He doesn't let them take the heat from these religious hot shots before they could say a word. Listen to what Jesus says. Actually, it's what he asked. He asked a question. Overhearing, Jesus shot back, who needs a doctor, uh, the healthy or the sick? And then Jesus issues a command. He says, go, figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. And then he closes with this statement. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle a bunch of insiders. Um, one of the best friends of Jesus who is actually at this party, here's what he says about Jesus having our back. This is John. He writes this way. If anyone does sin, 
We have an advocate. That's Jesus. That's our Jesus. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the only one who is truly righteous. And how does Jesus plead your case? I mean, if anyone sins, and that's you and that's me, we sin, we're good at it. And when we do sin, Jesus goes before God the Father and defends us. He advocates in our behalf. Here's how he does it. Listen to this. He is able, this is the author of Hebrews, he, Jesus, is able to save completely all who come to God through friendship with him. Since he will live forever, he will always be there at God's right hand to remind God that he has paid our sins with his blood. When Christ died on the cross, it covered all my sins, covered all your sins. And when we sin, Jesus reminds our Father in heaven, my blood prevailed in their behalf. It's as if they have no sin. They are justified, just as if. I never sinned, just as if. You never sinned. And so Jesus says, I I've come to heal and to help those who are sick. Now, I believe it means every kind of sickness because Psalm 103 says he heals. He forgives all our sins, all our sins, and heals all our diseases. And that means for those of you who, who struggle with mental health issues, Jesus heals anxiety and depression. Jesus heals post-traumatic stress disorder. Every night when my Deb and I pray and take communion, we pray for physical healing, healing of mental health issues. We pray for healed relationships. Sometimes it's our relationships that are sick, and, that, and Jesus brings healing there. Because we believe as we take communion, we are taking the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And we believe by his shed blood, healing prevails. Look at the word of God with me. Jesus forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. He is the one who carried our sicknesses on the cross and endured the torments of our suffering. Where, however you're suffering, mentally, emotionally, relationally, physically, he took it with him on the cross. You look to the cross. You make a claim for healing on the basis of his shed blood. In his wounds, in his wounding, we find healing. And we pray those exact words. You see, as our friend, Jesus is our miraculous great physician. That's the first announcement that he makes supporting uh, his new friends. And th then he issues a command uh, to these religious holier-than-thous. This is what he says. Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. You see, Jesus shows his friends. If you accept the offer of friendship from Jesus, he shows you mercy and calls you to show mercy to others. He forgives all your sins and calls you to forgive all those who sin against you. 
In fact, His mercy stops if you stop showing mercy. But, but as long as you show mercy to others, His mercy, His immeasurable mercy flows over your life. It, is, it holds deep compassion. It holds everlasting kindness. It holds unfailing love. And, and, and as a friend to Jesus, it becomes the most important part of your life. And then th this is not just some pithy little statement Jesus is making. That question, that command, and his closing comment, they all point to the cross and what he accomplishes in our behalf when he was our substitute and died for our sin. You, you see, when Jesus, when we accept his offer of friendship, he makes us right with God. Um, scripture says, God made Christ who never sinned to be our sin, to be our sin offering that we might be made the righteousness of God. Everything wrong with us was put on him and everything right with Jesus was put on us. When he was on the cross, everything bad about us was put on Jesus and everything good about Jesus was put on us. This, this is the great exchange if you're willing to say yes to Jesus' offer of friendship, not just to know about him, but to know him. And maybe let me close just saying this way. Remember that table scene? People who sit down at table together, declare their committed friendship. I don't care what anybody thinks. Anybody says, we are friends. Well, there's room at the table of Jesus for you. And you don't have to have your act together. Before you have your act, while you're still a mess, there's room at his table for you. I don't have to know everything about Jesus. In fact, while I'm still learning, there's room at his table for me. While we're still sinners, before we're all cleaned up and we got our act together, there's room at the table of Jesus for us. Let's say yes to the friendship of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are God, and it just blows our minds that you even consider having us as a friend. But you love us so much. You came to be one of us. You, you came to be with us. You, you came to be for us, to live a perfect life for us, to die in agonizing death for us, to, to, to rise up from the dead in victory for us. Lord, I, I ask that, that everyone within the sound of my voice right now, something goes off in them by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they just say, yes, Jesus, I will be your friend. I will follow you. I will do life with you. I will do love with you. Jesus, I'm your friend, and I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.